Hello, this is Ms. Babin with uh, podcast episode 12, and today we're going to talk about the Crusades. We're going to discuss things that led to the Crusades, and we're going to talk about the First Crusade in particular as our point of emphasis. When we talk about the Crusades, uh, it is something that, um, well, the Crusades are one of those moments in history that are still discussed today. And they are, they are part of people's conversations uh, in our history classes, be it history of the church or history of the Western world or, or world history. But it is also a topic that has also become a part of political conversations. And it is, and, and the end result of this is unfortunately that with the Crusades, there is also, there's sometimes an underlying feeling that is somewhat anti-Catholic. And so what we have to do is we have to look at what's the truth of the matter. Um, those of you who know me as, as any kind of a history teacher, you know that I believe in good history which means that I don't like something that is called revisionist history. And revisionist history is when people take a historical event, and and this is what happens with history. It happens with other subjects too. But they want people to understand a certain view. They want them to have a certain point of view. And so sometimes they don't tell or state all of the facts. And so... When you are studying history, you need to look for the truth because that really is the key to it. The, the key to history is being a truth teller. And so we're going to look at some things about the Crusades that sometimes get overlooked, but that are, in fact, the truth of the matter from that time frame. So one of the things that people think about the, the Crusades is they say uh, the Catholics from the East and the Crusaders, they went over there to conquer the Holy Land. That's actually not the truth of when the Crusades started. When the Crusades started, it was actually meant, and Pope Urban meant it this way, was to help the Byzantine Empire, who the Catholic Church still viewed as having something of an alliance with, as helping them in a, in a conflict and to protect their borders. And the Byzantine church reached out to the, uh, to the Pope and to say, to ask him, can you send some soldiers to help us in this conflict? The second fault of it is that of the second faulty belief is that the crusades, when the Christians went to the Byzantine Empire and went to the Holy Land, that that was the beginning of the conflict. That is not true. The truth of the matter is, is that when Islam was established, one of the characteristics of Islam is that they did expand their boundaries. And they expanded their boundaries and they were going into the areas of the Byzantine Empire, and it was where Christians lived. 
And they went into other areas too that they would expand into. But what is often found, and, and history bears this out, is when they went into areas where Christians lived and expanded into their, their areas, it was done in a warlike manner. And so for 400 years before the crusade started, the Byzantine Empire had been having war with the Islamic Empire. And they had and it was the Byzantine Empire trying to regain its original land and boundaries against the expansion of the the Islamic Empire. And so the Crusades, they're not the beginning of this conflict. They are actually a part of the conflict that goes really towards the end, because the conflict between the Byzantines the Byzantine Empire and the Islamic Empire actually stretched over the course of an actual millennia. And so those are two uh, faulty theories or, uh, or faulty beliefs that are often misrepresented in terms of, of what really happened with the Crusades. So what were the Crusades? Well, the Crusades, first of all, you need to understand is that what was going on with the Crusades with these people is it was all new to them. They had ne- the, the people of the Western world had never done anything like this before. So it was a new endeavor for them. And why? So it was a combination of a holy war. There was something of a pilgrimage involved. And then there was the idea of penance. So when we talk about the idea of uh, the penance and, and the idea of the whole this whole concept is we do need to understand that there was this thing called plenary indulgences. And I will probably do an entire podcast just on plenary indulgences to explain them to you. But plenary indulgences, uh, and the church has had indulgences in the past, and it is where if you do something, then and if you do a certain form of prayer coupled with a good act, then that is going to to if someone when they die needs to spend time in purgatory it will lessen their time in purgatory it was never meant as something that would um buy somebody's way into heaven but it was meant that with a good act and prayer you could make up for some of your sins on earth and that is where the idea of of indulgences and plenary indulgences come from but what happened is and we're going to get to that is how these these actually get involved. Uh, the idea of penance is also very important in this, and the idea of making on a pilgrimage. So, and people believed that Christians believed that if you you had to do acts of penance, and one of the greatest acts of penance a person could do would be to go to the Holy Land and to walk where Jesus walked and to be where the apostles were. And that that was a great act of a pilgrimage was an act of penance. And so some of these people who are going to go fight in the crusades, they're going to be seeing it as going and performing a great act of penance in this pilgrimage. Another aspect of it is the idea of the holy war. And and this is really interesting because up the, the Catholic church and the Christians of the West really were very um, much pacifist. 
They did not support war. They did not want people to go to war. But St. Augustine had preached on the concept of a just war when they were necessary. And so when this comes about, people have in their mind an idea that, well, maybe sometimes we have to go to war. We have to go and do something like this for a greater good. So you have all of these three thoughts, the idea of penance and fighting a holy war and earning something that will be good for you. Those all get mixed together in people's minds when it comes to the Crusades. So when we're going to talk about the Crusades, I want, it, so I want you to understand that that was the mindset that these people had. How did the Crusades actually get started? Well, the first crusade um, really starts with the idea of, with the fact that in Asia Minor, there was um, a group of of people uh, who were Islamic. And really early on uh, with the Islam religion, there is a division, and it is still in place today, between the the Sunni and the Shiites. And one of the main factors that led to this division was that when Muhammad died, who was going to be his successor? And one group believed a certain person should be the successor, and the other person believed the successor should come from a different source. And that, and then a, a couple of beliefs, some a belief that they each did not share. Um, caused them to split into two groups. And these two groups still exist today. So there was conflict within. And among, as time goes by, among these groups of Islams, another group arises. And this group is out of Turkey, and they are called the uh, Celtic Turks. And they are Muslim. And they are very, very good at acquiring land. And they are very good at um, expanding their borders. And so they rise to power within the Muslim world and with the Islam world. And they are very actively um, expanding their borders and expanding their empire. Well, you've got to remember that in our last, your last chapter, they talked about the schism between the East and the West. And part of the difficulties was because of the fact that um, there was not contact between the two, the Eastern and the Western Church, and that there were some differences of the role of the Pope, which goes back to one of the earlier councils. And so now you have this schism, and that happened in 1054. So the first crusades, which are going to happen not long after that, there's, there's, this schism is not very long-lived, is my point. And so there is still, among the Christians of the East and among the Christians of the West, a feeling that there's still some sort of a connection. And so when the Christians of the East, particularly the leader of the Byzantine church and the emperor of the Byzantine empire needs help. And they ask the Western church to help them by sending some soldiers. 
they want to do it because they feel there is, in fact, a connection. And that is what's going to lead to the actual first crusade. The emperor of Byzantine asks for help to defend his borders. So what he wants is help defending the borders of his empire. And the Pope, who was Pope Urban, agrees to help him. And he goes to the Council of Claremont. And at the Council of Claremont, and this is November 27th, 1095. So this is not even, you know, 50 years after the schism. So that's what I'm saying. There's still this connection. And what he does is he gives a sermon and he talks about how the Christians are being treated. He talks about what's happening to the Byzantium Empire. He's talking about what happens when the Christians are overtaken. And it is true. Um, they are not, they do not have any the rights of other citizens. Uh, they are forced to pay high taxes. They are limited in their, they are not allowed to practice their religion. Um, as a matter of fact, when they went to pay their taxes, they would have to prostrate themselves and pay their taxes on their knees to um, the tax collector as a sign of subservience. There was just, there was one act after another that was, um, that was considered an abuse of the Christians. And so when Urban starts to talk about this, what he's thinking is that he's viewing this as a rescue attempt. And that's how the church is really viewing this as a rescue attempt to go and help the Byzantines save their borders and save Christians from abuse. And he's thinking at best, he may get a couple of thousand people to go, maybe two, three at the most. That's really what he's hoping for. He doesn't even think he'll get that much help for them. But the effect is bigger than he thought. Because what starts to happen is some lay preachers, people who are not priests, who are not religious, they go out and they start preaching in terms of the Crusades. And they start talking about these plenary indulgences. And they start telling these stories. And before they know it, there are over 100,000 people who want to go to the First Crusades. Now, you've also got to understand is there's a lot of men who have trained to be knights. And they're trained to fight. But they're living in a Western world where war has actually been discouraged. So now, here is this conflict. This is what they're trained to do. They're going to be going to save people. And on top of it, they can earn a little bit of time out of purgatory. So 100,000 people sign up to go on this first crusade. And it is really not what they expected to have happen. And it ends up being very different than what they thought. So what happens when they go to this crusade? Well, remember the emperor, um, he wants his land and he wants the wealth that comes from the land. When they go, the first place that they actually visit is Nicaea. And in the actual crusade, um, 
they actually, the Crusaders actually capture Nicaea pretty easily. And so they free that, and they, uh, that is very much what the emperor of, of the Byzantines wants, and that's all he wants. But then they decide they're going to go on to capture Antioch. And Antioch is not like Nicaea. It is actually a very well-fortified city. There are a lot of soldiers in it. It's well-supplied. And their type of fighting was siege warfare. And we know that siege warfare means that you have the people on the inside and then they are surrounded. And those on the outside really are, are waiting for the people on the inside to basically run out of food and to have to come out and fight. Well, the people of Antioch were so well prepared and so well supplied that they weren't coming out. They really were not. And it was those on the exterior that were going to actually um, leave and have a failure here. But what happens is very simply um, is that someone on the inside of this city of Antioch betrays the people in there and they let some of the crusaders in. And there you have quite a battle and it ends up with the crusaders and they do massacre people within Antioch. And so that is where you see this going far wrong and not what Pope Urban anticipated and not what the emperor of the Byzantines particularly wanted. And so what you have is, is this battle starts to change. And then you have an individual whose name is Peter Bartholomew. And Peter Bar Bartholomew believes that while he is in Antioch, that he found the true lance that, um, well, actually, no, he's in Jerusalem. They move on to Jerusalem, and he believes he found the true lance that was used to pierce Christ's side at the crucifixion, and that this is a sign that they need to go on. Now, the truth of the matter is, if that, this crusade had stopped after Nicaea and Antioch, they would have done the job they were sent there for. But once they see this belief that it is the true lance of Christ that, that pierced him, well, then the crusaders believe they've got to go and they need to continue fighting. And they go on and they actually continue fighting and they capture uh, Jerusalem at the end of this first crusade. And you've got to understand you know, it sounds like, well, that they were living in the other part of the world. But in their view, Jerusalem had been a part of the Roman Empire when Christ died. And therefore, it was a part of the Christian world. And so you had them feeling that this was at the Holy Land was very much a part of what they should be doing. And they continue with this battle. So what happens after this? Again, if they had stopped there, it would have been enough. 
But this is where we have the other crusades coming on. And we've talked about the second crusade, which was a disaster. But there are groups that form out of these crusades. One of them is the Knight Templars. Uh, then you have the, um, the Hospitalier Knights. And these are religious orders that are monastic knights. And so the Knights Templars were monks that were warriors and that were fighting. And they believed they had the true crusading spirit. And why were they called the Knights Templar? Well, they were called the Knights Templar because um, where they used as their base of operations, it was on the Temple Mount where uh, the Temple of Jerusalem had been. And that's why they are called the Knights Templar. But the thing to understand about the Knights Templar is they continue in the Holy Land and they continue fighting against the Muslims. And they are not, they are based in the East. And so the people of the West really don't know them very well. So they develop this type of mystery and people become very supportive of them because they see them as holding on to the Holy Land for them. Uh, and so that is where the Knights Templar come in. And, and the Knights Templar actually become very powerful because they have supporters who, again, are not with them, uh, but see them as protecting the Holy Land. So what starts happening at the end of these this first round of crusades? Well, what happens is, is that you have the West, and their goal is to now maintain this Holy Land. And how do they do that? It's going to be really, really hard for them to do that because the truth of the matter is most of the people living there are not Christians or if they are, they're Byzantine Christians. If they had done what the emperor and the Pope wanted, the results could have been very different. But because you have these groups that hang on and who think they keep needing to go back, this conflict continues. And it actually, in the long run, weakens the relationship between the Eastern Church and, and the Eastern Church that is the Eastern Orthodox Church and the Western Church that is the Roman Catholic Church. Because in the end, both sides starts to see each other as not holding up their end of the bargain. And so while the goal of the Crusades was initially to help the Byzantines whom the church felt they had a connection to protect their boundaries and to take on an idea of protecting Christianity and the lives of Christians, it becomes something bigger and it continues and becomes a part of that conflict that is going to continue for the next 700 years and becomes a part of that millennia long conflict between the Byzantine empire and the Islamic Empire. Okay, make sure that you read over your questions for this and answer your activity books. Use the podcast to help you answer the activity book questions. This will be the topic of what we're going over on Friday during office hours. So if you have any gaps or anything you want to make sure you have correct answers in your activity books, we're going to be going over that on Friday. <laughs>